Praise the Lord. Well, that was uh, the theme song, if you like, of the Welsh Revival. Um, they sang that song a lot during the Welsh Revival and others. But uh, wonderful words, wonderful truth that he shed his precious blood for us. And of course, opened the floodgates of love and mercy upon mankind. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue uh, our look at being a blessed people or living blessed. And we ought to live blessed. Blessing is God's purpose for us. Blessing is God's will for us. And, you know, he actually brought the Israelites to a place where he said to them, choose between blessing and cursing. And we ought to be choosing blessing because as new covenant believers, as Christians, we are literally created and designed to be blessed and to be carriers of God's blessing to other people. Um, you know, and, and people need to see that blessing on our lives because if we're just, uh, you know, we're very dour or dour or uh, torn-faced and so on, it's not much of an adv advertisement, is it, uh, for either church or for being a Christian. So, anyway, let's get, dig into Deuteronomy chapter 8. There's a verse in there that I want us to really focus on, uh, but we'll read through from verse 6. But the verse I want us to look at is verse 14 uh, as a focal point. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. That was God's promise. And you know, you ought to read the book of Deuteronomy because there's a lot of stuff like that in it. But God promises blessing to his Israel people, his Israel nation. And it's important to understand that these people were promised blessing contingent upon keeping the law or keeping the commandments. But you and I, uh, that blessing uh, has been bestowed on us in and through Christ because the, the Galatians, which we looked at last week, chapter 3, tells us that Christ was made a curse for us, taking the curse of the law upon him so that the blessing could be upon us. So we don't have to worry about being lawbreakers the same way old covenant saints did because if they broke the law, they were in trouble. They had to have their sins uh, dealt with through the blood of animals. But we have a once-for-all sacrifice in the shedding of the blood of Jesus. And all we have to do to get right with God is just simply ask the Lord for forgiveness, repent, and move on. We don't have to find some priest to go and slaughter a, a bullock or a, or a lamb or any of these things to get right with God. It's a simple but sincere prayer. Anyway, verse 6, Thou art unholy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. As we were coming in this morning in the car, I was reminded Agnes of how special I am. You know, and, um, you know, she, she wasn't really receiving it, but I'm sure I planted the seed of truth there. But we are a special people. And we're not special because there's something special in us and that we are so wonderful or whatever. We are special because he has chosen us. That's what makes us special. But it's not, well, he chose us because we're special. He chose us and that's what makes us special. Amen? 
Um, and you know, the Bible tells us that he's not chosen, uh, you know, the, the wise, he's not chosen uh, those that are the great ones of the earth. He's chosen, and, and, and as we look around, we can, we, can, we can see, and as we look in the mirror, we can see he has chosen the ones that aren't so wonderful. And I'm not saying God hasn't, you know, there aren't uh, some amazing people that get saved, but it's the, it's the, it's just ordinary folks, isn't it? There's nothing that we have to bring to him. Even if you've got brains, even if you've got intelligence or good looks or all of these things, that's not what makes you special, his choice. And, you know, back in the, the old days, we used to have this, it was very much a, a Calvinistic idea. And, and, of course, Calvinism was very much the predominant uh, th thinking of Scottish Protestant Christians from Knox onward. And it's this concept of we are the elect. We are God's chosen. We, are the, we need to recapture some of that, don't we? we, we you, know, you say, oh, we can't say that. Well, the Bible says it. We are elect. We are chosen. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And they get into areas of predestination where he, did, he predestined us to walk in his ways and to be his peculiar people. You know, that, 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 that's one of the, the things it says over the New Testament that we are a peculiar people. And as I look around, you can see the fulfillment of that. There's a lot of peculiar people in here. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it says here, and this is a beautiful phrase, not just that we're a special people unto him, it says, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, we know that God loves the world. We know that he's not willing that any should perish. We know you say, well, he loves all men. Uh, and there's a truth to that, and we need to be mindful of that as we preach the gospel. But he chooses to bestow his love and blessings and special favour upon those who are his people. Amen. So that's why it's so important to get folks saved so that they can come into this place of blessedness in him, this promised land. The promised land, of course, for the Israelites was a physical place, but here in this new covenant era, the promised land is being a believer and living in him and living in his blessing. And that blessing is available to everybody in this room. Not only is it available, it's already been given you if you are a believer in Christ. So you just simply have to believe for it and walk in it. So the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you. Now this is speaking to the nation, remember. It's not just to individuals. Because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. God has chosen you know, the, the things that are set aside by other people that are overlooked, that are, that are not important, the, the, not, the unimportant people. Uh, and, and Israel as a nation was just a small, scrawny bunch of people. But he chose them, not because they were like the Egyptians, the mighty Egyptians, he chose them because they were a small, raggedy band, maybe even you could say, in some respects. But they were the fewest of all people, and he chose them because God always takes, we looked at that before, a remnant. He takes a seed and he makes the seed grow into a mighty 
mighty oak tree, if you like, or a, or a mighty plant, mighty tree. But he starts small. God always starts small. You know, Christianity began not in a palace. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a feeding trough. That's where it started. Now, yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he was divine. Yes, he was the second person of the Godhead. But he started small. Christianity, our faith, began in a manger, began in a stable. Didn't begin in a, a, a king's castle or palace or something like that. So God likes to start small. And sometimes when we want to do things or, or, or walk in things, sometimes we have to remember that you know, we, we want, you know, like, if you want a new uh, bathroom, you have to start small. Amen? You know, I'm just giving you for an example because you can say, well, you can't snap your fingers and you've got your new bathroom. And sometimes the way to get something or a new living room, do you understand, you get, your, you get it all redecorated, is to go and buy something small for the, the new room that you want, or, you, or it's a new house, amen, or a new car. So what you would do is go and buy a new key ring for your new car key. These little acts of faith, Amen. Uh, but that's, that's another message. But because, verse 8, the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, from Egypt, of course, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We were talking um, before the service, couple of us, about the state of the nation. And the darkness, the oppression, the bondage that we, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, correspondence from the Christian Institute about how the Scottish government plans to clamp down on what we would call ministry and pray for folks. And they're basically saying that that's, that's a hate practice. And they want to bring us, into, in other words, bring us into bondage just for maybe pray for someone might come in and say I need prayer for this well if you pray for that person it could be construed as hate crime because how can you tell that person they need deliverance they need a saviour nobody needs a saviour in the political mindset of the woke culture that we live in you know you just have to accept people as they are but you know none of us in here accepted ourselves as we were that's why we said I need a saviour. Amen? So, you know, that's a person's individual choice, but it's also our responsibility to tell those people, you need Jesus. And if people come and ask for help, then that's... But you see, the Scottish government and other governments, I'm not just blaming the Scottish government, they want to make stuff like that illegal, and you're telling that, how dare you tell someone they're a sinner? Oh, see, if you don't believe in God then you don't believe in sin, so what difference does it make? You know, if you don't believe in God and you want to make it a hate crime, but you don't believe in God, then how, how can... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that either. I'm simply saying to you that it says here that <clears throat> he's going to redeem us, or he already has, 
from the bondmen, which simply means those who would oppress us. Scotland, I'll say this as much, as boldly as I can, Scotland is a Christian nation, historically and traditionally. Amen? We were all born into that. Brothers and sisters, we cannot let that go. We cannot allow that to be taken from us. And those who would, are what the Bible would call bondmen, those who would hold us into, or hold us in bondage. Okay, so praise the Lord. Know therefore, verse 9, that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. To a thousand generations. And repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to them that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. We need to remind ourselves that you don't play fast and loose with God. And we know that because we have a relationship with them, we're Christians, but it's time that other people learn that. It's time that other people understood that when you start to mess with the things of God. Now, Psalm 2, which we've read quite a bit in, in, uh, and preached on quite a bit in here. Psalm 2, let me just remind you what it says here. We always come back to Psalm 2 because it's such an important thing. But it says here that why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain or futile thing? And the answer is the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, which is Christ, of course, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. And it says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 here. It says that those who oppose him, he'll re repay them to their face. So, it, you know, folks like to call it karma. But I would say that Sowing and reaping seed time harvest is the biblical way of describing it. You reap what you sow. God is not mocked. And people that try to carve or frame a society without God will find that they are the ones who pay the price for that. But we are God's blessed people. Amen. And as long as we stay faithful, as long as we stay in him, we will walk in his blessing. Thou shalt therefore, it says, keep the commandments, verse 11, and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Now that's speaking to people under law. We, we would modify that to say, as long as we stay in the Lord, in Jesus, amen? As long as we live our lives as believers and, and be faithful to him and obey him, not necessarily doing all the Ordinances of the law, of course, but the, the, the law of the new covenant is love one another. Amen? Do we love one another? Or do we uh, can't stand him, can't stand her? Well, that's...
That's you breaking the commandment of love. So stay in the Lord, stay close to him, stay soft-hearted, and you'll stay in the blessing. Wherefore it shall come to pass, verse 12, if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. We always ought to be living in the mercy. And living in the mercy is receiving his mercy, but it's also showing mercy to others, isn't it? Don't be a reservoir of mercy, be a channel. Because a lot of people that mess up need our mercy. They don't need our judgment. They don't need our condemnation. They don't need us beating them up for the things they do wrong. They need our mercy. And part of being a blessed people is receiving his mercy, but it's also passing it on to others that need it. Hallelujah. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb. That means your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will be blessed. You ought to claim that. We say, Lord, I believe this. What verse? My children, my descendants, my grandchildren, every last one of them is blessed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet and never know curse, never know the opposite. They're always blessed. And they're blessed because you're blessed. Amen. Um, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine, thine oil, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. I don't see many sheep farmers in here. But what he's saying is whatever you do for a living, whatever, you know, because he's speaking there to an agricultural society. In the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And I like this one. This is, this is the one, as I said, thou shalt be blessed above all people. Everybody should see how blessed you are. And your neighbours that aren't Christians should say, you're blessed above me. They don't not use that type of language. But what they'll say is, how come you're always happy? How come you're always, you know, you always have an answer? How come you're always calm? How come all these things that are going on, the COVID, everything else, how come it doesn't affect you? You've always got a positive word. You're always helping somebody. You've always got a smile on your face. I just wish Agnes was here to hear this one. I'll give her the the message later. Praise the Lord. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. Thou shalt not be. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And and again, we could adapt that to say that the projects and the plans that we have will not come to nothing. But that whatever we do will be blessed. God will be in it and God will be behind it. And there's even a wee wonderful blessing here, promise the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee. I have to say this, it's a challenge to all of us because we all have health challenges. But the challenge of God's word to us is this, can we change our, can we be renewed in our mind to the place where we say that a sickness is not something that ought to touch the people of God? You know, the old saints, that's what they lived and they walked in. Some of them were very extreme about it. And a lot of that includes healthy eating options and stuff like that. But the point I'm trying to say to you is it says the evil diseases of Egypt. You know, just as we resist sin, just as we resist things of darkness, we should be resisting sickness. We, we ought to really take a faith stand against sickness. Amen. I've, I've 
I've been having a real faith challenge for months now. Um, with, with, I know it sounds trivial with a frozen shoulder, but we talk about days and days of chronic pain. And, and other people have things worse than that, I know that. But we need to resist sickness, don't we? Because it's not, it's not part of what God has for us. It's the evil diseases of Egypt. And sometimes we let too much of Egypt in. So let's take a faith stand and encourage all of us and yourselves, folks, to say, I'm going to receive this, that the Lord will take away from you all sickness. And of course we know that Jesus took our sicknesses upon the cross. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. And uh, we, we, by his stripes we are healed. And these are things that saints of old used to contend for. We need to get back to that type of thinking again. Because it's part of being blessed. It's part of living blessed, isn't it? Um, so, but that verse, I love it. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. You know, when you begin to be conscious of that and think along those lines and speak along those lines and pray along those lines and sing songs of blessing, you know, sing that we're a blessed people. You know, we just sang that song, there's a river of life flowing out of me. You know, it's so positive. And, but I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about faith. Let's look at some of the words of that. There's a river of life flowing out through me. It makes a lane to walk and the blind to see. Wow. That river that Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out through you. There's a fountain flowing from the Saviour's side. You know, uh, some of us don't live as holy as others. Amen? We always feel that we're messing up. But we're not going to the Lord for the occasional bath to cleanse us. We're living in the fountain. And the fountain is never-ending cleansing. You know, you understand the difference? You know, I understand the difference because when you've got teenagers that want to spend all day standing in the shower, dreaming, what I used to do, right? You know, if you're living under the shower, you're not going to get dirty. Amen? Praise the Praise the Lord. Got my back up here. Praise the Lord. I think these things died on me. There's a difference between having the occasional bath and living under a fountain of constant cleansing. And that's our blessing. That's the, as I said, back in the old covenant, to make atonement for sins, they, they would have annual sacrifices and occasional sacrifices that meant that they had to physically go somewhere and slaughter an animal, have the priest do it, and, and all of that. We, we just simply live in that fountain of cleansing. So when you do mess up, you're instantly cleansed. Jesus paid the price when for me he died. There's a fountain flowing from the Saviour's There's a risen Saviour at the Father's throne. He's ever interceding for his very own. These are blessings, brothers and sisters, that belong to us and that we walk in. Pouring down the blessings that are his alone. There's a risen saviour at the Father's throne. It doesn't end there. There's a holy comforter who's sent from heaven. The Holy Spirit sent from heaven to comfort us 
And that means strengthen us and be alongside us in every part of life. All the glorious gifts are his that have begun. There's a land of rest that we may enter now, freed from all our works, freed from Satan's power. There's a full salvation wrought for you and me. There's a river of life, brothers and sisters, flowing out through me. So we live as, or we live blessed. We live as blessed people. And it's so important for us to be conscious of that. And the way you, you remain conscious of that is you come in here be preaching like this, but you get your Bible and you look up these verses and you make them personal to you. Amen. And you don't just say, oh, the, you know, blessings available. You say, blessings are mine. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places belongs to me. And I choose to manifest it in my life. The Lord bless you, folks. Let's uh, continue now by singing.